W. Whittle wrote this, None can ever understand the full power of prayer until they have learned the lesson of trust. It is only when for the first time in the Christian's own life of faith it realizes the hand of God in his personal dealings with him, how near he is, nor how clearly he feels the presence of that tremendous overruling spirit which turneth the heart whithersoever he will. The actual existence of our God is therefore proved not alone from history, nor from the Bible alone, nor from current natural or religious feeling and beliefs, nor from the testimony of old witnesses several thousand years old, but from the actual incidence of present prayer in the literal answer. Daily faith and trust in prayer have made the Christian deeply acquainted with him and in his ways, and humbly dependent upon his care and love and help in the events of life. No one ever faithfully trusted the Lord in vain. Circumstances so clouded that it has been impossible for men to control have through believing prayer been so made to change that through them has been revealed living evidences of the presence of the ever-living God. That ends his quote. As a father with a loving father's heart, it must be the Lord's desire that we should tell him all our needs, all our sorrows, all our desires. And so his word commands, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Philippians 4, 6. Under this verse, there is positively no exception of any request that may not be made known unto God. So there is true faith and right Christian philosophy in the remark, If a pen was needful to my happiness and I could not find one, I would pray to God for it. Or if a pain, a sorrow, a despair was needful to my happiness and I could not find that, I would pray to God for it. The mistake of the Christian is not praying over little things. The hairs of your head are all numbered. Consult God about everything. Expect his counsel, his guidance, his care, his provision, his deliverance, his blessing in everything. Does not the expression our daily bread mean just this? Can there be any true life of faith that does not include this? Whatever will serve to help God's children to a better understanding of the blessed privileges of prayer and prove to them the reality of God's answering prayer in the cares, in the trials, in the troubles of daily life, and will prove itself to all faithful Christians as a blessing to them and an honor to God. Sometimes a testimony of answered prayer helps us more than a study in the mechanics of prayer. Sometimes we are more helped by a testimony to facts than by theories and doctrines. Even in the smallest things, we understand the meaning of his promises and the reality of his providences. We need to make a commitment to prayer in our life. We need to be committed to prayer. We're committed to other things in our life. We have an appointment. We make that commitment. We make plans with friends or family. We meet that commitment. We have a work. We have a job. We make the commitment to our job. We show up. We work. We do what's expected of us. We go home. We make commitments to family, commitments to friends, commitments to employers, commitments to appointments, commitments to this, commitments to that. But have we ever made a commitment to prayer? 
made a promise, a solemn promise to God, a commitment that we are going to pray, not haphazardly pray, not pray today and not pray tomorrow or the next day, then pray the day after that. Are we going to make that commitment? We need to make that commitment to prayer. Being someone that is committed to daily prayer, committed to praying about everything, no matter how big or small or how trivial it may appear to others. I came across a great illustration about this in the life of George Mueller. He was crossing the Atlantic on the steamship Sardinian from Quebec to Liverpool in June of 1880. And the illustration starts with a first-hand account of this. This man says, I met Mr. Mueller in the express office the morning of sailing, about half an hour before the tender was to take the passengers to the ship. He asked of the agent if a deck chair had arrived for him from New York. He was answered no, and I told and told that it could not possibly come in time for the steamer. I had with me a chair I had just purchased and told Mr. Mueller of the place nearby where I had obtained it, and suggested that as but a few moments remained, he had better buy a new one at once. His reply was, no, my brother, our Heavenly Father will send the chair from New York. It is one used by Mrs. Mueller as we came over and left in New York when we landed. I wrote ten days ago to a brother who promised to see it forwarded here last week. He has not been prompt as I would have desired, but I am sure our Heavenly Father will send the chair. Mrs. Mueller is very sick upon the sea and has a particularly desire to have this same chair. And not finding it here yesterday when we arrived, as we expected, we have made special prayer that our Heavenly Father would be pleased to provide it for us, and we will trust him to do so. As this dear man of God went peacefully on board the tender, running the risk of Mrs. Mueller making the voyage without a chair, when for a couple of dollars she could have been provided for, I confess I feared Mr. Mueller was carrying his faith principles far too far and not acting wisely. I was kept at the express office ten minutes after Mr. Mueller left. Just as I started to hurry to the wharf, a team drove up the street and on top of a load just arrived from New York was Mrs. Mueller's chair. It was sent at once to the tender and placed in my hands to take to Mr. Mueller. The Lord having a lesson for me, just as the boat was leaving the dock, I found Mr. and Mrs. Mueller in a retired spot on one side of the tender and handed him the chair. He took it with a happy, pleased expression as of a child who has just received a kindness deeply appreciated and reverently removing his hat and folding his hands over it, he thanked his Heavenly Father for sending the chair. In everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So the word of God teaches us as his children, inviting us to pray, commanding us to pray, teaching us how to pray, that there is a divine reality in prayer. Experience abundantly corroborates the teaching. Are we committed in our praying? Are we committed to praying over the trivial things, the things that might seem minor or trivial to others, as Mr. Mueller and Mrs. Mueller prayed for Mrs. Mueller's chair? This man thought, why not just buy another one? But Mr. Mueller prayed, and he had faith, and the Lord answered that prayer. Are we committed in our prayer life? I have another illustration. A widow once told someone of the turning point in her Christian life, when God's love was so shed abroad in her heart that she had been enabled to go on through all her trials, rejoicingly conscious of God's presence, and casting all of her burdens upon him, 
She was driven to seek God by great need. Her husband's death left her destitute with little children to provide for and few friends from whom to look for continuous aid. Winter drew on, and one day her little boy came in shivering with cold and asked if he could not have a fur cap, as his straw hat was very cold and none of the boys at school wore straw hats. She was without a cent in the world. She gave a hopeful answer to the boy and sent him out to play. They went to her bedroom and knelt and wept in utter desolation of her heart before God, praying most earnestly that God would give her a token that he was her God and was caring for her by sending her a cap for her boy. While she prayed, the peace of God filled her soul. She was made to feel the presence of her Savior in such a way that all doubts as to his love for her and his fulfillment of all his promises to care for her vanished away, and she went out of her room rejoicing in the Lord and singing his praise. She had no burden about the cap, and was quite content for God to send it, or not send it, as whatever pleased him. And in the afternoon when a neighbor called, occupied with the Lord and his wonderful love, the thought of the cap had gone from her mind. When a neighbor rose to depart, she said, You know my little boy died last fall. Just before he died, I bought him a fur cap. He only wore it two or three times. After his death, I put away all of his things and thought I could never part with any of them. But this morning, as I went to the drawer to look them over, I felt that I should give you this cap for your little boy. Will you take it of me? As she took the cap and told her neighbor of the morning trial, prayer, and blessing, two souls were filled with the sense of the reality of prayer and the love of God for his children. My little boy, said the widow, wore that cap for three winters, and often when sorely tried by my circumstances, has God lifted the burden from my heart by just looking at it and remembering the blessing that came with that little fur cap. This widow lady had a commitment to prayer. She prayed. She trusted God. She was committed to her prayer life. Experiences like this, God gives to all of his children, not for the purpose of leading them to look to him for supplying their physical necessities as an end, but to make himself known to them and to secure their confidence and love, for this is life eternal, that, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. John 17, verse 8. D.W. Whittle gave us a warning. He wrote this, How often the flesh has led men to read Philippians 4.19 My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus in a spirit entirely opposed to this exhortation. They have ceased to labor with their hands and without warrant in the providences of God and the judgment of brethren have turned from doing their own business expecting the Lord to pay their debts and provide for their necessities. The quotations of Scripture made by our Lord to Satan, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, is surely applicable in all such cases. The spirit of a sound mind will surely recognize this. So in all things that which God has given me intelligence and power to do, in avoiding evil or securing good, I am under direct command from him to do so, always depending upon his blessing to secure the needed result. A true faith in God was made manifest by careful obedience to known commands. An intelligent faith 
can never allow dependence upon means used to take the place of dependence upon the living God, who alone makes them efficacious. And that ends his quote. Let us not waver in our faith in God's overruling providence and in the reality of his presence in prayer to answer prayers for deliverance and the help of his people under any and all circumstances. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our request be made known unto God. But let our first request be that we be kept in a sound mind, obedient in the word, and let all of our requests close with the utterance from a sincere heart of the words, Thy will be done. If this be the attitude of our hearts, our prayers shall be abundantly and graciously answered, and God shall guide us from the wiles of the devil for the sake of his dear Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whose precious blood we have all been saved by grace, through faith, by him. A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. The Lord is faithful to answer the prayers of his children. I will not suffer my faithfulness to fail, he said. He is faithful that promised, the Bible says. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Now let's talk a little bit more about our commitment in prayer, about being committed in our prayer life. Jonathan Edwards said this, The true spirit of prayer is no other than God's own spirit dwelling in the hearts of the saints. And as this spirit comes from God, so doth it naturally tend to God in holy breathings and pantings. It naturally leads to God to converse with him by prayer. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass that he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, and he said unto them, When you pray, say our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The lack of commitment to anything marks today's society, and the truth is people are desperately seeking some form of absolute commitment. To be sure, a good marriage can be built on strong commitment. With commitment comes obligation and expectation. A newly married couple expects fidelity and faithfulness from each other. They expect duties to be performed that benefit one another. Character says if we are going to spend our lives together, then we will make a commitment of marriage to each other. A lack of commitment is one reason why couples live together in an unwed situation. A man and a woman who are desperately seeking commitment remain uncommitted to each other. Marriage is just one area of life that illustrates the wonderful concept of commitment. The fabric of society must be built on the character of commitment. Likewise, the Christian's relationship with God must be built on the character of commitment. As a Christian, I want to be totally committed to God. Getting my prayers answered is one direct result of being committed to Him. God gave us a wonderful example of commitment, His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you think Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was committed to his Father? Absolutely yes, he was committed. Do you think Jesus Christ was trying to get his Father to see things his way? Or do you think Jesus was trying to see things his Father's way? One scripture passage that proves Jesus' commitment was his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Luke twenty-two forty-two. Thomas Goodwin said this, Christ, when he saw that he must die, and that now his time was come, he wore his body out. He cared not, as it were, what became of him, 
he wholly spent himself in preaching all day and in praying all night, preaching in the temple, those terrible parables, and praying in the garden such prayers, as the seventeenth of John, and thy will be done, even to a bloody sweat. Commitment epitomized Jesus' life. Because Jesus was so committed to the Father's will, the Father was obligated to answer his prayers. No wonder all of Jesus' prayers are answered. Likewise, that same kind of commitment level must be presented in the life of a Christian for his prayers to be answered. When we become totally committed to Christ, we have reached the pinnacle of our relationship with Christ on earth. To get our prayers answered, we must pray with determination. We must get as committed to God as Christ was to his Father. Luke 11 is not so much a prayer we pray as it is an outline to be followed. Basically, this passage contains instructions on praying. Jesus gave us the pattern prayer in what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. Ian Bounds said this, In this model, perfect prayer, he gives us a form to be followed, and yet one to be filled in and enlarged as we may decide when we pray. The outlines and form are complete, yet it is but an outline, with many a blank, which our needs and our convictions are to fill in. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, who built London's Metropolitan Tabernacle into the world's largest independent congregation during the 19th century, said of the Lord's Prayer, What clear, sharp outlines it has! There are certain definite mercies, and they do not run into one another. There it stands, as you look at the whole, it is a magnificent picture, not confusion, but beautiful order. Let it be so with your prayers. Someone once said, God's name is holy. It is the expression in human speech of all that he is. And for that reason, it is a thrice holy thing. The name must never be thought of lightly. It is something to command our loftiest reverence and our purest love. It is means that we desire that men shall regard the name of God in its true character and that such by a conception of his name is one of the greatest things for which we can pray. The honor of God's name has been the concern of all men who have been mighty in prayer. God's name is hallowed when he is loved and obeyed. When men live righteously and speak of him with love and reverence, we are to call him Father. But to remember that he is a holy Father and that his name is a holy name. Now, as a rule, when we talk of God or address Him in prayer, we often use various titles for Him. We might say, Lord, bless us now, or Heavenly Father, be with us. We may use different titles. However, we rarely address Him by His name. Again, let us remind ourselves that when we pray, we are not speaking to some invisible, faraway entity. We are speaking to God, our Creator, our Redeemer, our Father, our Heavenly Father who by virtue of his omnipresence is always right next to us, in us, around us. Christians who no longer have an earthly father can always have access to their heavenly father. He is approachable. He is as approachable as an earthly father. Therefore, we should address him like we might speak to our earthly father. Frequently, we think as opposed to saying our prayers, our minds tend to drift off to other matters that are often time wasters. However, when we actualize God as our Heavenly Father, we can get close to Him and share all that is in our heart. Many names have been ascribed to God, but one particular chapter in Psalms tells us His name. Psalm 83.18 says, 
that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. God also has other names. Isaiah 9, 6 lists several. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and a government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jehovah God, Jehovah, the self-existent one, Jehovah God, the name of God most frequently used in the Old Testament. The disciples understood the sacredness of reverence due Jehovah God. In fact, the Israelites would not speak the honored and exalted name Jehovah or Yahweh because the name was so sacred. However, they missed the point. God was performing miracles for them, and his chosen people were not taking note of what he was doing. Christians, when you want your prayers answered, take time to notice what God has done for you already, because he enjoys us giving thanks to him. He enjoys people giving thanks to him for things he has done. He enjoys things he's doing in our life getting noticed. As we commit to prayer, commit to give God the glory, to answer to prayer, we need to be committed to prayer but committed to glorifying God when he answers our prayer. When God answers your prayer in such an unusual and special way, give him the glory. Be committed to give him the glory to those answers in prayer. Just as we are committed to pray, commit to give God the glory. God is a generous God. God so loved the world that he gave. The more we recognize that he is a giving God, the more he will give us. Be committed in our prayer life, but be committed in our praise life. Many times in the Word of God, the name Jehovah is attached to another Hebrew name. They mark incidents when God did something big for his children. When he met every need of them, we'll examine just a few of them. Jehovah Jireh, God has provided your daily bread. The name Jehovah Jireh means the God who provides. Make a commitment to pray to the God who provides, to Jehovah Jireh. God sees and God provides. Jehovah Jireh means that God sees the need beforehand and lays up in store so that when one of his children asks, he can provide. With God, tomorrow's needs have already been met and provided for today, or even yesterday. The power and provision of God is all available to us. Unfortunately, we tend to forget and appreciate what he has done and what he will do for us. If we won't notice what God is doing, why should he do more for us? If we won't take time to praise him for what he has done, why should he do more for us? Make a commitment to prayer and a commitment to praise, and a commitment to glorifying God. Another name is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is right here. Jehovah Shammah means the Lord is present. The name signifies God's abiding presence with his people. Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Isaiah 66.1 God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. Imagine for a moment that you are walking outside on a foggy day, how close is that fog to you? The fog surrounds you. God is a spirit who is as close to you as that fog is, or even closer. Can you see the end of the fog if you're in the middle of it? Usually not. God is the same. He continues on forever, without any termination. Our God is not a far-off God. Our God is a right-here God, a right-here-with-us God. The companionship of God, the partnership of God, and the presence of God describes Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. Jehovah Shalom brings peace in trouble. He brings peace to troubled relationships. He brings peace to troubling times. He brings peace to trying times. He brings peace to troubling situations. 
And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 7. Then we have Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. God had given Moses and the children of Israel great victory over the Amalekites. With Aaron and her assisting Moses, Joshua and the armies of Israel fought the Amalekites and won the victory. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. Exodus 17:15. God gave the victory over Israel's besetting enemies. Christians, does God give you victory over temptation? Does he give you victory over trial or tribulation? Do you go to an old-fashioned altar in search of that divine help to get that victory? Do you pray? Are you committed to seeking that help? Are you committed to praying over that issue? Are you committed to praying over that besetting enemy in your life? Make a commitment to prayer. And make a commitment to praise God when you get that victorious answer to that prayer. As God reveals himself to us, he wants us to take notice of how good he has been to us. A God who has been that good to us is not interested in giving us more of what we already ignore him for. He wants us to hallow his name and take time to notice him. He wants us to take time to be committed in our prayer life, committed to seeking him daily, multiple times each day. Have you made a commitment to pray, not trying to pray? Have you committed to God to pray? Have you committed to God to give him praise and glory for those answers in prayer? Ian Bounds said this, Prayer is a high privilege, a royal prerogative, and a manifold and eternal are the losses by failure to exercise it. Prayer is the great universal force to advance God's cause. The reverence which hallows God's name, the ability to do God's will, and the establishment of God's kingdom in the hearts of the children of men. We'll close with a rather lengthy illustration. A trustful Christian whose heart had been deeply touched with thoughts of religion was one day thinking and pondering and wishing that he might be more truly convinced of the actual existence of the Holy Spirit. If, thought he, there is a Holy Spirit, a superior mind and will, I reverently and sincerely wish that I may be convinced of it beyond all doubt that I may indeed know God as a living reality and daily guide and mighty among the plans and ways of men. Though having all the needed mental, historic, and heart belief and trust in God, still there was a desire, that special satisfaction which can only come by personal evidence. With reverent feeling one morning, he asked the Lord humbly, in prayer, What can thy servant do for thee this day? Teach him that he may gladly minister to any one in thy name. In the course of the day, there came to him the thought of the revival services. Then proceeding in Brooklyn and feeling a cordial sympathy, he sat down and wrote a letter to Mr. Moody with these words, I know not how you are supported or anything else of your needs, but I feel I like helping you in your good work. Enclosed, find the check for $25. Take it and use it if you need it for yourself. If not, then do some good with it. The circumstance was almost forgotten. Then the day after there came this wonderful reply from Mr. Moody. Your letter came to hand in the same mail at the same instant with a letter from a brother in distress, wanting the same amount of money. And now you have made him happy, and my heart glad, and the Lord will bless you for it, signed D.L. Moody. Had there been a direct revelation from heaven, it could not have been more astounding than this. To the heart of that Christian, his own prayer was answered. As to this search for the evidence of the Holy Spirit, but oh, how wonderfully it was answered. Not but a superior, higher, overruling spirit could have known 
the thoughts and desires of each heart. Nothing but an omnipotent hand of power and wisdom could have brought these two letters together at that identical instant of time. None but an all-knowing father could have fixed the amount of money which the one was to give and the other was to pray for. This was a wonderful conjuncture of time, desire, and amount, and could never have happened by any chance operation of nature or the natural heart and will. Strongest of all, neither of the parties had ever met, known or corresponded with each other before. Neither did Mr. Moody know of the desire of the one, nor the necessity of the other, until in the act of opening the two letters side by side, in the one envelope was the prayer, in the other envelope was the answer. What a tremendous answer to prayer. What a tremendous evidence of God's hands in the affairs of men. What a tremendous illustration of how God answers prayers. He can answer his prayer specifically. He can answer prayer immediately. God answers prayers. He loves to answer our prayers. Pray specifically. Be committed in our prayer life. And then give him the praise when a miraculous answer to prayer occurs. Thank you.